just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Now, in the previous podcast, I had Ed as a guest, as I often do. And prior to the podcast with Ed, we had Ted and Jenna, listeners of the Rational Boomer Podcast, join me on the show. This podcast, well, it's just going to be me. You're going to be stuck hearing me drone on as I do. But we have some interesting things to talk about. Let's start out with some emails. This one comes from Jesus. In 1968, thousands of Americans marched on Washington to bring awareness to poverty and voters' rights. It worked. Imagine a children's march, 100,000 kids, parents, grandparents, and teachers peacefully marching on Congress to show them that enough is enough. That's not a bad idea, Jesus, and it's kind of in line with what I've been saying. Democrats can't afford to lay back and just see what happens anymore. They've got to step up, speak out, speak loud, and push back. There's got to be protests, just like the one you described, Jesus. We've got to keep this in front of everybody's eyes, in the front of their minds. We've got to control the narrative. And this concept is one of the many ways we can do that. So I think, Jesus, it's a wonderful idea. I don't know if something like that will be uh, organized, but uh, it could be pretty powerful. I mean, this is about kids being killed, innocent kids being killed in school shootings. And our Congress refuses to do anything about it. 100,000 kids, parents, grandparents, teachers and such, protesting in front of uh, the U.S. Capitol. That could be pretty powerful. I think you're onto something there, Jesus. I don't know how you make something like that happen, but if we can figure it out, we should make it happen. All right, next up. Hey, Mike, it's been a while since my last email, but rest assured, I have been listening to each and every podcast. Thank you very much. It breaks my heart every time there is one of these mass shootings, even more so when it involves children. I am not a gun owner, but have friends who are common sense gun owners. We all agree there needs to be a change while talking about this last mass shooting. My one friend who has a business associate in New Zealand, he told me that after the mass shooting in 2019 there, the government changed the gun laws almost immediately. One mass shooting, and they changed the gun laws in New Zealand. And he goes on to say, here are the requirements to own a gun in New Zealand. Let's see what they are. Except under the direct supervision of a licensed holder, a person who possesses or uses firearms needs to hold a firearms license issued by the police. New firearms licenses are issued for five years and renewals after 10 years, but can be revoked at any time if police believe the person is no longer fit and proper to possess a firearm. Visitors to New Zealand can apply for an overseas uh, for a one-year visitor's license based on their existing license in their country of residence through frequent visitors uh, are encouraged to apply for a 10-year license. License holders who possess or use pistols, restricted or prohibited firearms, as well as collectors require additional endorsements. Firearms dealers and their employees need an annual dealer's license for their place of business. Only license holders can buy, sell, or exchange firearms. Permits to procure uh, are needed for restricted firearms, and license holders must have appropriate and current endorsements. Importing or exporting personally owned firearms requires additional permits, and the importer or exporter must be a current license holder with appropriate endorsements. 
Now, to become licensed, the applicant must be a fit and proper person over the age of 16. They also need to have adequate secure storage for firearms, attend a safety program administered by the Mountain Safety Council, pass a written safety test, pay the requisite fee, and supply passport standard photographs with their application. Police also individually interview the applicant and two referees, one of whom must be a close relative and the other unrelated, to determine the applicant's suitability for a license. The applicant's residence is also visited to check for appropriate storage of firearms and ammunition and to ensure any other living any other people living there are not a security risk. Having a criminal associations or a history of domestic violence almost always leads to a license being refused. An application can be refused if the applicant has indicators of drug or alcohol abuse, criminal associations, a history of domestic violence, or physical, mental health, or disability issues that would prevent them from uh, possessing or using a firearm safely. Previous denied applicants or revoked licenses may also be cause for denial. Okay. And he says to me, there is, this is not unreasonable, just common sense. I know the only way things will change is if the ones blocking change are voted out. Unfortunately, the political discourse right now in this country uh, won't change anything, anything anytime soon. We can only hope. I have to say on other topics, but don't want to take up too much time of the podcast. Thanks for all you do. Regards, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. And it sounds like those laws um, in New Zealand are pretty stringent. You would be hard-pressed to get something like that in this country at this point with the attitudes of the Republicans and the NRA. But if we could only get part of that, you know, something as simple as universal background checks and uh, national gun registration, that may not remedy the situation, but it certainly couldn't hurt and it would be a start. Anything that happens in government is a gradual transition. I'm amazed that New Zealand has one mass shooting and they make those drastic changes. You know, I applaud them for that. It's about keeping people safe, but apparently that's not quite as important in the United States of America. I'm afraid if we do make some changes, they are going to be gradual. They're going to be gradual because then they can say we've done something, but not hindered what their agenda is. You know, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting that now some of the Republicans come out after the shooting and say, yeah, we may be able to talk to you. Maybe we can work something out. That sounds like they're bending a bit, but in fact, they're just pulling another ploy or strategy. You see, by saying that, you kind of put it on hold. And here's what we've got coming up. Right now, Congress is on vacation for the Memorial Day holiday. They're out for 10 days. They are going to do jack shit about jack shit for 10 days. And then not in the too distant future, you've got the summer recess, July 4th and such. So Congress isn't going to be around a lot in the next couple of months. So the Republicans can act as though they're doing something, but just run out the clock. And as I've said before, I know exactly what the Republicans are going to do. They're going to act tearful and worried and upset. And then they're going to delay it and delay it until interest wanes on this situation or something else happens to distract people, and then nothing will be done. I know this because this has been done over and over and over again. How the Democrats don't recognize this and do something about it, I'm not sure. All right, another email. This comes from Kevin. You said on today's podcast that you don't know if anything will be done about this gun problem and the mass shootings in America. I can answer that for you. We are going to do absolutely nothing as usual. The fact that now 19 more children are dead at the hands of guns and people who don't 
uh, belong having them is appalling. I still clearly remember the day of Sandy Hook. Now, you know I'm from Connecticut, but on that day, I will never forget when the news came in. I thought to myself, oh, they will definitely do something now because children are being murdered. But here we are almost a decade later, and I don't know how many mass shootings later, and we have done fuck all about it. The rest of the world must look at Americans like we are barbarians. I'm sorry about the long email, but this has got me so pissed off, and the fact that people don't even know that 19 children were murdered and just carry on with their days like it's nothing, it drives me crazy. We've got to get out and vote so we can uh, eliminate the filibuster and make it so Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema are irrelevant and, and pass some legislation that will actually prevent these sorts of things from happening again. Anyway, have a good day, Mike. I'll talk to you again soon. Kevin from Connecticut. Well, you're absolutely right. In realistic terms, there's no reason to believe that anything will be done. The Republicans don't want to do anything, and the Democrats seem too weak to push anything through. So I think Kevin is correct. I don't know that anything will be done about guns, and it will fade away until the next shooting, which unfortunately comes all too frequently. The only way we are going to change things, like Kevin said, is by our votes. We need to get a bigger margin and the majority in the Senate and in the House. As Kevin said, if we can make cinema and mansion irrelevant by getting more Democratic senators, that's the only way we can deal with it. And if that happens in the midterms, then for the next couple of years, we can actually get some things done without the possibility of Republicans trying to obstruct it. Now, they're going to be screaming and they're going to be fucking upset, but too fucking bad. They're going to get some of their own treatment if we can accomplish this. But winning the midterms in a big way is a, is a, a, a big get. It's right there in front of us. The Democrats have the best advantage to win the midterms of any Democratic Party in the past. I mean, we've got uh, the fact that the Republicans are looking to overturn Roe v. Wade. We've got this gun control situation where children are being killed. We've got the January 6th committee coming up with this televised hearings, which is going to expose a lot, a lot about the Republicans. Nothing's going right for the Republicans. This should be an easy deal for Democrats coming into the midterms because no party has looked this bad or had this much hanging over the head coming into a midterm election. It should be easy. But there's another part of the strategy, I believe, that will make it impossible for the Republicans to win in the midterms. In addition to taking all this scandal and all this information and keeping it in the forefront and keeping it in the narrative all the way through November, that should help to win the midterms. But we know the Democrats and Joe Biden are having a difficult time passing anything because, again, the Republicans are obstructionists. So what we need to do, Joe Biden just did it yesterday. He um, signed an executive order. Uh, with regards to police reform. Now, that's just a first step in terms of police reform, and that's just the first step in what I see as the second part of the strategy to win the midterms. Since the Republicans won't allow them to pass anything, I think that Joe Biden should bury the Republicans in executive orders and make sure every one of those executive order benefits the people in this country. By pushing these things through and benefiting the people in this country, it's going to make it easier in the midterm elections. You've got all this scandal, all this corruption, and now you've got a president who took a risk, took a chance, and made sure that the people of this country got what they needed. Now, some people will say to me, well, yeah, but an executive order isn't very strong. That can be overturned by the next president, and that is true. 
But you got to understand the second part of the strategy. The second part of the strategy is win the midterms, have all these executive orders. And then once you have the power, once you have the power, then start passing bills that strengthen those executive orders or replace those executive orders. You got to get the win first, and you should do whatever you need to do to get that win. And then once you have the win, you utilize it to your best advantage. You pass everything you want to fucking pass while you make hay while the sun shines, if you understand. I'm hoping this is what the Democrats will do. I have no reason to believe that they will. But I think that would be a strategy that would help them win the midterms and ultimately get the things they want passed passed. It may not be till after the midterms, but those executive orders can put a patch on it for a few months until we get the wins in the midterms. All right, this last email comes to us from Jose. He says, greetings. I really appreciate all the episodes and I enjoy when Ed is on, especially for me living down here in Florida where my mindset, it's different from the people around me. That one or so uh, A minus day or maybe twice I could listen to somebody with some common sense, LOL. Well, he's paying me a compliment. He lives in Florida and He's saying, basically, that uh, hearing somebody, especially an old man like myself, with some confidence is rare. (laughs) I get that. I get that completely. Well, if we can offer some common sense to you once a day or several times a week, we're happy to do it. We're happy to do it. And, And I'm hoping that's what we're trying to accomplish here. The point is, is try to get information out that you may not get from television or radio or the internet. Get all the facts so you can make informed choices. And then also understand that there's not just you thinking like this. When I first first started doing the Rational Boomer on TikTok, I thought, well, I wonder how many people are like me who have a like mind. I was fortunate enough to find out that there's a lot of them. And if we can pull those people together... Maybe we can create a bigger voice and some power. At least that's what I hope we can do. All right, on to the news. New details about police officers' actions during a school shooting in Uvalde, Texas that killed 19 children and two teachers. They're raising some questions because some of the behavior of the police department doesn't make sense. And they did a... um, press conference yesterday and it was kind of a shit show because they really didn't answer any questions they changed up their stories very weird for a police department now representative joaquin castro a democrat of texas on thursday asked the federal bureau of investigation director chris ray to examine local law enforcement responses to the shooting at Robb Elementary School, noting in particular that state officials' accounts of what transpired conflicts with what parents and witnesses actually say happened. That starts with a hazy timeline of the attack itself, while Uvalde Police Chief Daniel Rodriguez said the officers responded to the scene within minutes. What happened next is unclear. Texas Department of Public Safety Director Steve McCraw said Wednesday that after the shooter opened fire on a school security officer, a full 40 minutes to an hour passed before U.S. Border Patrol team burst into the classroom and fatally shot the gunman. A different spokesman disputed that account, however, suggesting the 40 minutes began when the shooter shot his grandmother earlier in the day, then stole her truck and drove to Robb Elementary School. Now, agonizing video from outside the school shows distraught parents pleading with police officers over the seeming lack of action. We were wondering, what the heck is going on? Are they going in? Derek Sotelo who works for a tire shop near the school, told the New York Times, now the dads were saying, give me the vest, I'll go in there. At one point, federal marshals reportedly handcuffed one of the parents, a mother whose two children were inside the building. Once freed, she proceeded to hop the school fence, enter the building, and sprint out with her kids. 
Official statements have also varied on whether or not the gunman exchanged fire with the school's security officer outside the school and how long the gunman was barricaded inside a classroom before police could gain entry, both of which Representative Castro mentioned in his letter to the FBI Thursday. The congressman added that an additional block of time between 11.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. also has yet to be fully accounted for. This is the thing that's troubling the parents. They get there. Parents are standing outside the building knowing there's a shooting inside the, a shooter inside the building. They just assume when the cops get there, they're going in, they're going to take this out and stop this as quickly as possible. But some of these parents, as was said in that article, that um, it was 40 to 60 minutes before anybody went in there. And it wasn't the police department. It was the Border Patrol that actually went in and did it. You can understand the frustration from these parents. 19 children were killed. There are 19 sets of parents that are having their lives changed now because the children that they had and they loved are no longer there. I saw some of the video, and the video showed parents out there upset, and they had every reason to be upset. And cops were pushing them back and had tasers out and had... Um, mace out and even handcuff some of these people. So you have police officers and an active shooter inside a building, and instead what they are doing is they are dealing and brutalizing and arresting the parents of the potential victims. That seems to be a problem to me. That doesn't seem to be right. The fact that it took 40 to 60 minutes for somebody to go in and take out this shooter that's troubling, too. The fact that we had a press conference where um, law enforcement was giving the press conference and they were giving conflicting information. They said one thing initially, and in this, in this uh, press conference, they said things that were different. Why would you do that unless you're fucking lying or trying to cover something up? It clearly looks like the police department and whoever else got there had no clue what to do. I heard one of the problems was when they did get inside the building, a couple of them anyway, the door to the classroom was locked. And they had no idea how to get in the classroom. They didn't have the, web, uh, the uh, uh, equipment to break down the door. And apparently nobody bothered to tell them that there was a master key in the principal's office, which would have been easy enough to get. We know the shooter, or at least we hear the shooter, shot at the police officers, then they backed off. And so for 40 or 60 minutes, this young man with an AR-15 was free to do whatever the fuck he wanted. I mean, our police departments should be there to protect us not outside trying to shut down or push away the parents of the victims. But that's what it seemed like it did. Now, Representative Castro wants a federal investigation. Whether he will get one or not, I'm not sure. But I think this circumstance certainly warrants it. And there's enough questions out there to uh, push the FBI to do something with it. I think the story was told, though, when I watched this press conference with the law enforcement folks from uh, Uvalde, and they didn't seem to be willing to answer questions. They changed their story, and it looked like a fucking shit show. That, to me, is troubling. That, to me, is telling me that there's something we don't know or something we do know that is real in spite of the fact that they are, are uh, denying that what is being said actually happened. Well, we're used to that kind of uh, strategy. We've seen it with our government. We've seen it with the Republicans. We've seen it with the Trump administration. What you see didn't really happen. You only need to believe what I tell you. Well, that's not good enough when 19 children are murdered needlessly. 
We need to get to the bottom of it. And if their police department and law enforcement officials can't protect the people of that town, well, then we need to get some people that fucking can. There are no excuses for this. That is your job, and you should do your job to the best of your ability. Instead of standing outside, waiting for an hour, and then trying to push back all the parents who are terrified that their kids are in a building with an active shooter. All right, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. All right, we are back. And you know, I'm very confused about Texas government. Let me put it to you this way. Say you have a 14-year-old girl in Texas. She's raped and gets pregnant. Now, she's nothing more than a child herself. Her parents don't have a lot of money. The only real option seems to be abortion. But in Texas, Texas will do everything they can to stop her from getting an abortion. And if by some chance she does get an abortion, they make her a criminal and they want to punish her severely. But at the same time, if this same 14-year-old Texas girl that happens to be pregnant decides, in spite of her condition, wants to continue to go to school, and she heads back to her middle school, then all of a sudden some crazy fuck that can get any gun he wants at any time and carry it with him walks into the school, kills said girl, and in the process kills the fetus inside that girl. What is Texas government going to do then? Well, I can tell you exactly what they're going to fucking do. They're going to do nothing. And I know this because for decades they have done nothing. We've had school shooting over school shooting over school shooting and nothing has been done. Now it's wider than Texas, but for this instance, we're talking about Texas, because they've got these very restrictive abortion laws, but they also let any idiot run around with an AR-15 shooting anybody they want. So Texas is very strong about stopping women and girls from getting abortions, and they'll go to the nth degree to stop them and punish them. But at the same time, if some guy, some idiot, some nutcase comes in and shoots the same girl who's carrying a baby, nothing is done. Now, I'm not saying the guy that did the shooting wouldn't be punished. In the case in Texas, of course, he ended up dead. But it seems contradictory to me, the attitude about these two instances, especially if it involved this very same little girl. Let's be honest. Texas doesn't care about unborn babies. They don't care about uh, grade school kids. They don't care about any of us. They only care about three things, money, power, and control. They want all the money. They want all the power, and they want to be able to control you, all of us. 
That's what they want. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It has nothing to do with saving unborn children. It's all about their own power, control, and money. And it's fucking appalling to think of that. You know, it's funny. I talk to uh, uh, Trump LaFox all the time that are anti-abortion. And uh, they never have any real reason for it. They'll say, well, it's in the Bible, but they can't quote the Bible verse because there is no such Bible verse. But they insist that it's in the Bible. Do your research. Check it out. Well, I have. And there is nothing in the Bible that talks about that. So that's a bunch of bullshit. It's an absolute bunch of bullshit. And when it comes to these mass shooters, I get the same old cliche comment. They'll say to me, guns don't kill people, people kill people. And then I always say to them, I said, okay, fair enough, I get that. So if you think people are the one responsible for these and not guns, then you must agree that uh, we need universal background checks and national gun registration. And they look at me, their mouth follows open, and he goes, no, no, we don't like that either. And then I say, well, then clearly what you just said to me was absolute bullshit, and you don't know what you're fucking talking about. They get mad, they divert, they distract, and they walk away angry because they have no answer to that question. They just make these excuses and they don't think about it ahead of time. And then when they're asked a pointed question, they don't know what to fucking do with themselves. Now, when Republicans are asked what can be done about these mass shootings in Texas, they have one remedy that they always say. It has nothing to do with gun control. What they all say is, we have to harden our schools. So what the fuck does that mean? That suggests that schools should be tightly locked down. Ted Cruz suggests that schools should have fewer doors. Don't ask. It's fucking stupid. They're suggesting that there should be more armed guards. They also want to arm teachers and staff. This is their resolution to mass shootings in schools. They're suggesting making our schools prison-like. They're so afraid of addressing the issues of guns that they will pull any stupid shit out of their ass to avoid the obvious resolution. Now, what I find so funny about what they're suggesting, we've got to get less doors, we've got to get armed guards, we've got to arm the teachers, protect these kids from these mass marauders coming in. Now, to me... What they are suggesting is akin to stopping people from being mugged by wrapping them up in bulletproof bubble wrap. So when the mugger comes up, he can't hit him, he can't shoot him, he can't do anything. The way you stop crimes is by stopping the perpetrator, not giving the perpetrator full reign. Let them go rogue and you just cover up so you don't get hurt. I mean, if we as citizens want to carry one of these, let me give you an example. This is a good example because I I dealt with it once because I I considered it only because, yeah, I'm getting older. I'm not as tough as I once was. If somebody comes up and pushes you around, you want protection. I'm not going to carry a gun. So I thought to myself, you know, they've got those telescoping uh, batons that cops use, and they're pretty powerful. I mean, you could actually kill somebody with that with that piece. And I thought, what if I had one of those if I should ever need it? Guess what? That's against the law to carry. And if you hit somebody with it, you can be charged with manslaughter or even murder, depending on how you hit them. Now, granted, these telescoping batons have to be used properly. You don't hit somebody in the head with them because it will certainly kill them. But you can take out a knee or an elbow or something like that to neutralize the situation. But you can't carry one of these around without uh, being arrested should you be found out to be carrying around one of these things. Now that said, if I want to carry around an AR-15, well, that's all good. See how fucking ridiculous that is? 
What the Republicans are actually doing and are always doing is distracting, diverting, and bullshitting until the attention wanes or something else happens to distract the public. Then, of course, they do nothing. They've done this for decades, so this is no surprise to the Democrats. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, his lieutenant governor, and Senator Ted Cruz put on a little press conference the other day and were spewing their bullshit, their little dog and pony show. Then Beto O'Rourke, Democratic candidate for governor of Texas, showed up in the building, went right to the stage and tried to shout these idiots down. Ultimately, he was escorted from the building. What I liked about that, and I've heard other people say, well, that was a bad look for the Democrats and Beto O'Rourke. Bullshit. That's exactly what they need to do. This is the first time I've ever seen a Democratic candidate show some fire, passion, and some fight. It's the first time I've ever seen that in a Democratic candidate, at least in my lifetime. For years and decades, we've had Democrats uh, sit back and try to be above it all, turn the other cheek, be the bigger person. But how has that worked for you? It hasn't worked at all. We are in a position in uh, the Democratic Party going into the midterms that we've never seen before. And as I said earlier in the podcast, this is a very opportune time for the Democrats to win the midterms. We've got all that's going on with overturning Roe v. Wade, the January 6th television hearings, the gun control issues, children being killed. In a normal time, when I was younger, one of those things would shut it down for a party. But now we here we are in 2022, and we're still wringing our hands wondering if all those things will be enough to overturn the midterms. Well, they will if the Democrats get off their ass and start being strong about this, yelling, screaming, protesting like an email writer mentioned earlier. We've got to keep it in their faces. We've got to maintain the narrative. We've got to drown these people out and keep hammering them every day. I think that's what the January 6th committee is looking to do uh, with these uh, televised hearings. There's going to be eight in June, but it sounds like they're going to be running through September. And then after they're done running the hearings, the Democrats will make a presentation as to their findings and boil it down to where the crimes and corruption were. This is going to be huge for the Democrats. I think the Democrats know exactly what they're doing, and I hope they do it properly. And I hope it's as awe-inspiring as I can imagine. I see it being a huge event. I see it being in the news every day. I compare it to Watergate, and there is no comparison between the two. This is a much bigger story. This is going to go on longer, and the scandal is far more abhorrent this time around than it was with the Watergate hearing. So what Beto O'Rourke did is exactly what the Democrats need to do from now until November the elections. They need to get mad. They need to get angry. They need to get tired are tired. Now, hopefully they'll they'll get tired after the election. They need to get fired up and they need to keep pushing and keep yelling and keep screaming. This is exactly what the Republicans have always done. They've always been the bully. And sometimes when you're up against a bully, all you can do is give them more of what they're dishing out. This is all they understand. They don't get anything else. They don't respect anything else. So I hope the Democrats take this opportunity over the next five months or so and hammer the fuck out of the Republicans because that's what it's going to take. All right, so there was some more compelling evidence coming out of the January 6th committee. On the day of the insurrection, we know that Donald Trump was in the White House, in the dining room, smirking and cheering on the insurrectionist. But apparently there's more to the story. The insurrectionists were charging the building and chanting, Hang Mike Pence. 
At that point, Mark Meadows reportedly said that Donald Trump was dismayed when it appeared that Mike Pence was going to be whisked away to safety by the Secret Service. Donald Trump was upset that Mike Pence was in danger and he wanted to seek safety. That bothered him. That tells you something very clearly. He wanted something to be done to Mike Pence. Well, of course, Mike Pence refused to do it because he was a little smarter than I give him credit for. He was afraid they were going to pull him off, lock him up someplace so he would miss the certification or, or something worse. I mean, because with Donald Trump telling people to hang Mike Pence, almost anything could have happened. Then Mark Meadows recalled that Donald Trump said, maybe they should hang Mike Pence. Wow. This is important because it goes to Donald Trump's intent, which is important should there be a trial. I mean, that's always what we hear. Did he commit a crime? Well, did he mean to? What the fuck's that got to do with it? You commit a crime, you commit a crime. Your intent may be good or bad, but you still committed a crime. But this here proves he knew exactly what was happening and that he was complicit regarding the intent of violence that day. Trust me. This is not good for Donald Trump. Well, as American America debates gun safety following the mass shooting, of course, GOP Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado was ridiculed for her public policy solutions to the problem. Oh, of course, we want to hear what Lauren Boebert has to say about mass shootings. It's ironic that she would even have a thought because she doesn't think much. Now, during an interview with Fox News, personality Sean Hannity, um, Boebert called former Rep. Beto O'Rourke, Democrat of Texas, a jerk for confronting GOP Governor Greg Abbott over Republican gun policies. Well, this is exactly what the Republicans did. You've seen Republicans pull all kinds of ploys and pranks and strategies to undermine the Democrats. But now, when Beto O'Rourke does it, oh, it's appalling. She says, when 9-11 happened, we didn't ban planes. We secured the cockpits, Boebert said. Now, Boebert is ironically the owner (laughs) of, of some shithole called Shooter's Grill in Rifle, Colorado. And she was pretty critically or quickly ridiculed for her policy perspective. But imagine that. <laughs> she owns a shitty bar called Shooter's Grill in a town called Rifle, Colorado. Ironic. Mark Medici, the publisher of the Express News in San Antonio, began his reaction with an actually and noted the tragic events of 9-11 created an entire branch of government called Homeland Security and swiftly revolutionized air travel safety, TSA, in the United States, and of course, of 30 days that the rest of the world also adopted. There are so many things wrong with this, but I'll key in on this. Airport security has gotten so much tighter since 9-11. I can't even wear shoes going through the security anymore. I know what you mean. When a few planes killed a bunch of people, we made air travel safer. Why can't we do that with guns? Asked CBS Sports NBA reporter Sam Quinn. Now, clearly, Lauren Boebert has got to be the dumbest sitting member of Congress in the history of this country. But this is what Republicans do. They come up with bullshit and they spew it out as if it's the gospel, as if God or Jesus himself has said it. No matter how stupid it is, they will do it and they will say it trying to distract, divert. But it doesn't work. It may have worked when Donald Trump was in office because nobody was there to call them out. But now, it's a different story. Lauren Boebert, stupid bitch. I hope she's gone in November. Now, here's an interesting one. This, uh, the National Rifle Association, the NRA, is set to hold its 2022 annual meeting in Houston today 
bringing together its top brass and several notable conservatives, including President Donald Trump, for the first time in three years. Now, the NRA's annual meeting was canceled in 2020 and 2021 due to the uh, pandemic, but this year the organization is moving ahead with its plans, holding the meeting at a time when both gun rights and organization itself have come under intense scrutiny, especially after a shooting at an elementary school. Now, there are people that are supposed to go there. Uh, Ted Cruz, I think he's still going. Governor Greg Abbott bailed because the pressure is too much for him. And of course, Donald Trump said he's still going. That's a big fucking surprise. Um, But the ironic thing about this event, they're all about guns everywhere with everybody. But at this particular event, this NRA event, they are banning guns. It may be because the Secret Service is locking this down because Donald Trump will attend, but it just seems ironic. They're fine with guns being carried anywhere in the country except their own event. Now, Trump will also speak at the event. The former president, who maintained a close relationship with the gun lobby and its activists throughout his presidency, spoke at the 2019 event, which marked its fifth consecutive speech to the annual meeting. Now, NRA members were also expecting to hear from Texas Governor Abbott, but the Republican, as I said, canceled his in-person appearance to instead attend a news conference in Uvalde with his spokesman, uh, spokesperson telling the Dallas Morning News uh, Thursday evening that the governor will address the convention through pre-recorded video. So he can't get away from it and just not go. He's not going, but he's going to do a pre-recorded message that will air at the meeting. And, of course, he's going to, uh, to do the press conference regarding the shooting. And uh, hopefully Beto O'Rourke will come back up again and mess it up for him. Senator Ted Cruz and Representative Dan Crenshaw, both Republicans of Texas, were also scheduled to speak at Friday's meeting. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem and North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robison, both Republicans, will also deliver remarks. It's not surprising that Ted Cruz will still show up. Notably, at least three musicians who were set to sing at the concert at this weekend's convention have canceled their performances. Don McLean of uh, Bye Bye American Pie fame, Larry Gatlin, and Larry Stu- uh, Stewart s- uh, cited the shooting in Uvalde as a reason for their cancellations. I just did not believe it was the right thing to do, Gatlin told CNN's Pam Brown on Thursday. It would have been a classy move on the NRA's part, and they needed some good PR right now. If they'd canceled the whole thing and said, hey, we're going to go in here for one big moment and say a prayer for those folks or have a moment of silence, and uh, we'll come back and do this later. We can always have our big convention. That's what he thought they should do. Of course, the NRA is not going to fucking do that. Uh, Larry Gatlin went on to say it. I just don't feel like it's the right time to go to this event in Texas and go and party. Well, at least there's some common sense. I don't know what Larry Gatlin's political bent is. I presume it's conservative, and I presume he's all for the NRA. But at least he had enough common sense to understand that uh, if he wants to continue doing business as an entertainer, there's probably 70% of the country that are going to think he's a dickhead for doing it. Lee Greenwood was supposed to be there too, and he's backed out. So saner minds have prevailed in some of these situations, but the event is still going to happen. Ted Cruz is still going to be there, and Donald Trump is going to be there too. I have to wonder if there isn't going to be some protest outside the event. I would bet there will be, and I hope there's a lot of people. As I've said, we need to keep this in the forefront. We need to keep hammering this home. Overturning Roe v. Wade, grade school kids being killed because they're not willing to take action on gun control. 
people need to be aware of this. They're not going to see it on Fox News, but if we spread it far and wide enough, everybody will get a taste of it. It will be a big story, just like the televised hearings that are coming up on June 8th. We've got to keep after this. And it's a typical non-classy response by the NRA and uh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. The ironic thing is I kept hearing about the NRA, NRA having to file bankruptcy and finding out that they were, in fact, uh, laundering money for Russia. A lot of the money they were getting was coming from Russia. Now, these are supposed to be solid Americans, you know, as American as apple pie. But here they are being funded by the Russians. And the Russians are doing it because they know it causes chaos and uh, divisiveness within this country. The NRA knows this too, but they don't care as long as they get the money. This country is in a fucked up mess. We've got a lot of people in Washington, D.C. that don't give a fuck about the country or any of us. It's all about making money. It's all about grabbing for power and control. And at some point, we've got to stop this. At some point, we've got to make it so these people can't do these things. Make it known that they are no longer welcome at the party if they continue to be fucking assholes. I'm hoping the midterms is the start of that. It will be interesting, nonetheless, as we uh, watch what's happening and and, uh, see how everything shakes out. And as I've said, I think the Democrats, if they do everything they're supposed to do and can do, given the circumstances, I think they will win in a big way in the midterms. And that's going to cause a lot of problems for the Republicans. They're going to have to step back reset and figure out what the fuck is going on. They'll have to separate themselves from Donald Trump if they lose the midterms, because now Donald Trump is no longer an asset, nothing more than a fucking liability. And uh, make no mistake, they will throw him on the side of the road in a New York minute as soon as he's no longer viable as an asset. Then they're going to have to decide what they're going to do. Are they going to try to rehabilitate the Republican Party? Or are they going to stay with this bent and get hammered for the next several elections? If I'm a betting man, I know the Republicans, all they do is keep doubling down no matter how bad it looks for them. And um, the Republican Party doesn't bear any resemblance to what we once knew the Republican Party to be. But whatever this entity is now, whatever you want to call it, not certainly not Republican, but whatever you want to call it is coming to an end. This will all culminate as a huge disaster for what we know as the Republican Party now. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for spending time with me here. Remember, if you have an interest of asking a question, comment, or complaint, or maybe you want to be on the show, email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. If you want to leave a voicemail message, you can go to anchor.fm, look for the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave a voicemail. I've got another, um, another listener show coming up. And we'll do another one with Ed. And, of course, we'll have the singular programs as well. We'll keep them coming. We'll keep you full of content as the days go on. All right. You have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.